just put on and took off my boots. I don't like it when putting on or taking off my shoes takes more than 10 seconds. And putting on these boots took me a couple of minutes. I felt like I was lacing them up to go get in the ring with, uh, I don't know, Ricochet or Johnny Gargano or something. But uh, anyway, I did it. And whatever, we're here now. So this is the part where I tell you to go check out the blog because I did write about my three favorite snowstorms in Colorado history. One was October of 1997. Another one was March of 2003. And a third one was December of 2006. And the unifying theme of those is that the snow basically got me out of responsibilities and enabled some of my worst, laziest, most fun tendencies. Now, if you think about that, 1997, I was a sophomore in high school. 2003, I was a junior in college. 2006, I was freshly at this job that I didn't like. And they all sort of enabled me to do fun things. Now with snow, it's basically just obligation and having to wear more clothes. I think I'm aging rapidly for two reasons. One, when it gets cold, my joints start to hurt. I didn't think that would happen at 38, but here we are. It's starting to get cold. I'm like, oh, I feel that in my knees. I feel that in my shoulders. Oh, shut up, old man. God, it is insufferable as you get older and start bitching about your joints. Are you kidding me? You've never had any major surgeries. You didn't play in the NFL. Yet your joints hurt? Neat. Secondly, I just don't like wearing more clothes. Like literally, my ideal outfit I think is flip-flops, shorts, and a t-shirt. There's this scene on Friends where Phoebe asks a bunch of questions and you have to answer super fast. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? I'd rather be too hot. Like literally. You know why? Because you can always cool down with a little ice water. You can always go find some shade. You can sit in some air conditioning. Being too cold blows. And that's just not fun. Being too cold leads to death. Although I suppose being too hot does too. But who's keeping score here? Anyway. The good part of the year is from opening day whenever baseball season starts, to Halloween. That's like when all my favorite shit happens. So many of the birthdays of people I love are in there. It's summer. It's patio drinking weather. It's the season of less clothes. Baseball season. Like all the good stuff for me happens between April and October. The less good part of the year, and it seems like Mother Nature has jumped the gun on me a little bit here, which is frustrating. You know, it's like, hey, here's a... a shitload of snow for you right before Halloween. Ah, gee whiz. Thank you. That's wonderful. I was enjoying the fall, but uh, now we have a lot of snow. And that's not to say good stuff doesn't happen. You know, Thanksgiving's fun. (coughs) Excuse me. Thanksgiving's fun. Uh, It's whiskey season. I, I don't like drinking whiskey as much in the summer as I do during the fall uh, or the winter. Uh, It's chilly season. Hell yeah, chilly. I mean, God, who doesn't love getting a nice pot of chili going? Eating that in front of the fire. Um, You know, some people love Christmas. That's not really my holiday for a variety of reasons. Um, I don't ski anymore just because it's too expensive and I don't want to spend all that time in traffic. And, uh, I mean, the Royal Rumble's in January. That's fantastic. Uh, That's my favorite WWE event. Went down to Phoenix er earlier this year to do it for the first time. Glad I did it. Way too fucking long. That's a problem WWE's having right now. Their pay-per-views, too long. Look, I'm already watching a lot of your product each week. I don't need the pay-per-views to be five-plus hours. I mean, I got things to do. Are you kidding me? 
That's like watching two out of three Godfather movies just right in a row. And the only people I know who are weird enough to do that are my parents. So, I don't know. Maybe I will someday. Although, as I get older, I keep waiting to figure out when I get into the Civil War, which hasn't happened yet. And I don't think is going to happen, but it seems very dad-like and very, like, middle-aged white dude kind of thing. So, I I don't know. Maybe someday I will. I also keep waiting to uh, see when I start listening to talk radio in the car. Because, as it stands... I'm just listening to loud-ass punk rock whenever I'm in the car by myself. And you know what? Sometimes even with the kids, too. But that's fun. All right, so mailbag. Let's answer some of these questions. The first one comes from Taylor. And this is a good one. It's very apropos of the season and of the current weather conditions. Question is, which sister would you be in Frozen? I know you've watched it at least 18 times. Taylor, I think 18 might be on the low side. That might be a conservative estimate because I have a feeling I'm going to watch Frozen by the time you listen to this because I've got two little ones coming home today. Schools are going to be closed. I can feel it in my bones. Maybe that's what that feeling is. Maybe I'm not just getting older. Maybe it's uh, just knowing stuff that's going to happen. Like, I don't know. School's going to be closed. I'm going to end up watching Frozen. So which sister would I be? Easy answer. That's Anna. I would much rather be Anna. Anna's cool. Anna's voiced by Kristen Bell. She's got this sort of determined spirit, this effervescent kind of glow about her, this indomitable kind of uh, way of attacking the world. And I really enjoy that. She's She's got a hopefulness about her. Elsa, good God. Uh, fellow podcast out there called Get Geekish posted a question. Give an example of some of the worst parenting in movies ever. And you got to go with the... <clears throat> this is normally where I do an edit, so you'll enjoy that because I'm not editing this mailbag episode. The parents in Frozen, they find out their child has magical powers, can do all this cool shit. So they talk to a bunch of rock people who are trolls out in the forest, and it's like, you know what? You got to isolate her. You got to reduce the staff. You got to harness these powers. Yeah, that's a good idea for this growing adolescent girl. Let's lock her away in a room for like a decade. Let's not let her have contact with anyone, including her little sister. Are you fucking kidding me? What is wrong with these people? No. Get her some help. She finds out at the end in one of the biggest like moments in the history of cinema where she's like, love will thaw a frozen heart. It's like, yeah, no doy, girl. I mean, are you kidding me? Doy hickey here. Yes. That would probably be good in terms of attacking this problem. You've had nothing but fear and sadness and despair your entire life. And it causes everything to freeze even when you don't want it to. Maybe let in a little light, a little warmth. Maybe you can lift some of this off of Arendelle and bring Summer back. Really? And huh, what are the odds? It's cold, it's frozen, it's snowing, everyone's miserable, and that comes from sadness, despair. Maybe it's seasonal affective disorder. Maybe the entire movie is nothing but a parable about the dangers of seasonal affective disorder. Yet love, happiness, joy, connection, the sun comes out, the flowers start blooming, the ice is gone, everyone's happy. Hey, what do you know? Frozen is secretly an advertisement for summer. What are the odds? Get out of here. So, Anna all day. I don't need special powers. 
that's got to be just a burden and annoying, especially if your frozen powers are to freeze shit. Although, if you're like Iceman in X-Men, you know, uh, Wolverine just hands his soda over to him, and Iceman cools it down with just uh, a little bit of his breath. That would be kind of cool. Beer's getting too warm. You're like, wait, hold on. All right, cold beer again. So, kind of a neat power, but more of a party trick than anything. So, yes, I would rather be Anna. Another question from Taylor. Let's get into the important shit here. Would you rather eat all your toenail clippings or never get to cut your toenails again? Gross. Okay, yuck. I don't like either in this scenario, but I think that's kind of the point. It's a nice uh, sort of nihilistic would you rather here. And I suppose my answer is I'd rather eat all my toenail clippings because... Like I said, I like wearing sandals, and I don't need these gnarly fucking gargoyle toenails just clacking on the sidewalk as they spill over the edge of my sandal. Gross. No, thank you. That doesn't sound fun at all. Now, I grant you, eating your toenail clippings has got to be no picnic, but she didn't say how I'd have to eat them, so I don't know. Maybe make some sort of loaded cookie, chocolate chips, pecans. My wife gives me shit for the way I say that pecans it just sounds too fucking pretentious for me oh what is that a pecan sandy Mmm, i love pecans now they're just pecans okay it's just a fucking nut that you put in pies for a pie that's way too sweet that i enjoy anyway it's like the only pie i like too but maybe chocolate chips some pecans and some coconut shavings then mix in the uh the toenail clippings i mean when you're eating shaved coconut like that it kind of tastes like toenail clippings anyway I like the flavor of coconut. Do not like the texture. Never have. Find it kind of gross. And the flavor, if done wrong, tastes like suntan lotion. That's just me. I remember in college, I had uh, a big bottle of Malibu rum that I sat in my sweet mate's dorm room and just drank like shot after shot of. And after a while, I'm like, am I drinking suntan lotion? Because this is quite gross and I'm going to have a gnarly hangover. Spoiler alert, I did. But, uh... Oh, you know what cuts the taste of coconut rum really well is string cheese. Like literally, take a shot of coconut rum, bite into a string cheese, neutralizes the flavor immediately. There's a little tip from your old Uncle Johnny. But uh, anyway, we may get to more questions from Taylor because she sent me a ton of them. Let's go to Karen, who is my cousin. She reached out on Facebook. Thank you, Karen. This is a good one. I remember when you would come to our house in Glen Ellen. That's a suburb of Chicago. As a little guy, your mom would tell us that all you wanted to eat was Kraft Mac and cheese and you were a very fussy eater. Are you still a fussy eater? We were all told growing up that we needed to eat whatever we were served. My sisters were always jealous of your special treatment. And lot to unpack there. So let's tackle the first part of the question first. Am I still a fussy eater? No, is the answer. Thank God. It took me forever to come around and there were a couple of critical things that happened in my life that pulled me out of my fussy eating. The first was senior year of high school. I went to Spain and I lived with a family for like a week. And when you can't speak the language that well, and they're serving food that you don't really know all that well. And it's kind of in different forms. Like at one point I, for lunch, I got this big pile of rice that she poured tomato sauce over and then put like a sunny side up egg on top of it. And it, it was too weird. Um, also, I remember having this lemon mousse with pine nuts and 
like paella is filled with weird shit and paella is everywhere in Spain. So, you know, you've got rice and peas and carrots and <coughs> Jesus. Imagine that talking for 18 minutes straight. Your, uh, your throat starts to dry out a little bit and I'm unprepared with anything to drink. I mean, it is snowing. I could go for a whiskey. That'll dry me out even worse. Although it's 940 in the morning as I record this. So maybe that's a bad idea. But anyway, you kind of just suck it up and eat what's in front of you. And that really sort of helped me level up. The next thing that happened, and these all kind of happened at the same time, but I got together with Kristen. And as we were dating, she would just sort of, in a non-threatening, non-agenda-having way, encourage me to try this stuff that she really liked. And for whatever reason, I was in a mindset to where that became easier and easier. Concurrently, I was getting into craft beer. And craft beer uses a bunch of different flavors. Like, if you've ever had, like, a Belgian quad, that has flavors of, like, all sorts of stuff, dates and plums and, you know, golden raisins and whatever. And then there's, like, fruited wheat beers and dark stouts and... You'd read about how these beers were described, you know, like what were their tasting notes. And I go, I should really try some of these things so I know what I'm comparing it against. And then the third thing, I started watching Bourdain, Anthony Bourdain, and I wrote about this in my tribute to Bourdain. You can find that on the John of All Trades blog, but also Chopped. And the show Chopped just, it, it allowed me an intellectual hook into food where I could watch it. And go, oh, okay, so they're saying this needs to be brightened up. There's too many heavy elements, you know, maybe uh, a green element or this needs more acid. And so I started getting into like salad dressings and, you know, understanding how foods interplayed with each other. I remember one time we were at this block party for a brewery and a restaurant called the Torta Grill was there. And it was this awesome food truck serving Mexican tortas. And I just kind of got it as they served it. And it had all this like lettuce and tomato and avocado on it. And up until recently, I didn't even like avocado that much. I still don't love it. It's something about the kind of creamy texture of it that is off-putting to me. But I'm eating it. My friend Jason goes, are you eating that with like the tomato and the avocado and everything on it? And I go, you know what? These guys seem to know what they're doing. I'm going to eat this as God and the Torta Grill intended. And the guy behind the counter at the food truck goes, God bless you, sir. Because I imagine how many dipshit substitutions he has to do on a daily basis. And for someone to just be like, hey, you know what? You guys put this together in a specific way. I'm going to enjoy it that specific way. Had to be very refreshing for him. Anyway, so no, I'm no longer a picky eater. There are things I don't like, you know, like olives, <coughs> pickles, um, cauliflower. I don't like most fruit. I just like fruit feels weird. I texturally, I'm just not into it. And it pretty much goes for most fruit and it's like too sweet too. But anyway, no, I largely eat anything. Um, and I enjoy the shit out of it. It's great. What I want to get back to though, is my sisters were always jealous of your special treatment and my God, I never thought of this as special treatment. And I tried to picture what this was like from someone else's perspective. And Karen later went on to tell me that her mom wasn't a very good cook. And so they didn't like a lot of what they were served and they would rather have mac and cheese. So it's almost like I am a master manipulator, you know, where like I've gamed the system to where I just get to eat mac and cheese every night. And I mean, I suppose in the 
purest, most craven way possible, that's true. But what is more true is that I used to dread mealtimes. When you were a fussy eater or a picky eater, mealtimes are just filled with anxiety and you grow to dread them. I hated special occasions because like Thanksgiving, this is a very famous told by the people we always spent Thanksgiving with. I would just eat rolls and I I wasn't like proving a point or anything. It was just that that was the only thing I felt comfortable eating. And so to hear it couched as a way as special treatment, I'm like, wow, yeah, that must be weird looking from the outside in, especially when you're kids, because it's like, look, he just gets to eat mac and cheese. Why can't we? It's because he won't eat anything else. And you got to get some calories in the kid. And so, yeah, for a long time, that's pretty much what I ate that and grilled cheese sandwiches. And like, I liked most breakfast food, not eggs, of course, because I mean, there aren't that many little kids who like eggs, but yeah, I mean, it was almost all bread stuff. It was awful. It was a rough slog for a while. And I hated being a picky eater. So special treatment, it just, it killed me and it kind of stuck with me. So, uh, gave me a new way of looking at my history as a picky eater. So thanks for the question, Karen. That's a good one. Um, let's go to Chris. Uh, Halloween is tomorrow. Uh, what was your favorite Halloween costume? Okay. So Halloween's always been one of my favorite holidays. And when I was a little kid, I, <laughs> I like telling this to my mom because I think it annoys her, but I blame her for me getting into punk rock. Because I looked at my Halloween costume from when I was in kindergarten, and I went as a punk rocker. Like, I carried around a guitar. There's a photo of me. I've got, like, a sneer on my face like Billy Idol. She let me have a purple mohawk, which in these times would be called a faux hawk. But, uh, yeah, I had sunglasses. I was wearing, like, a tank top and ripped jeans. And, yeah, I was a punk rocker for Halloween when I was six. How awesome is that? That was a good one. Um, When I was eight, I was a 1920s gangster. And I think about this costume now because this would never fly in 2019. So this was, what, 1989, so 30 years ago. And I had, like, a suit. I had, like, a flower in uh, in my lapel. I had, you know, one of those pork pie hats. And I showed up to school with a Tommy gun. And it didn't even have the orange thing on the end. It was just, like, this fake gun that if you look at pictures of it, it looks like a kind of a scary gun. Um, and you go, wow, I was allowed to bring that to school. What a different time. And in a lot of ways, I mean, I don't fall into the trap that the past was better because in general, I think that's not true. But in this case, school shootings weren't really a thing. It wasn't on our minds. And so a kid could just bring a fake gun to school and no one thought anything of it. You just, you didn't worry about it. And that's kind of cool to think back on now. Um, now granted, I think gun culture in this country is kind of insane and kind of unhinged, but I don't want to get into that right now. Uh, that's a little bit too heavy for the thrust of this episode. So all I'll say is, um, what an interesting snapshot in time when you see that photo of me from when I was eight. Um, Moving on, once I was a little bit older, probably my favorite costume was the one I did first year of grad school. So I had this reputation around the radio station as being too punk rock for punk rock because like, and God, I was such a pain in the ass. Just what a twat. Um, I would talk about how I didn't need to wear the fucking punk uniform and, you know, I, 
I would say things like, I don't need to be a sheep to a smaller flock, man. And blah, God, gag, vomit. Just what a pretentious ass. So one year, I wasn't really into Good Charlotte just because they were commercial. Like, sellouts, man, you know. And, but, you know, their music was still undeniably catchy. And I go, wouldn't it be a larf if I dressed up as them? And that was a fun, fun costume. Because I remember walking down the stairs of the student center. My friend Mikey was coming out of the radio station. He sees me. I've got, you know, my hair dyed black. I've got the black eyeliner with the tear lines. And I've got all this jewelry. I put fake tattoos all up and down my arms. Black shirt. Black, like, shorts. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, studded belt, too. I went to Hot Topic specifically to buy the studded belt. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> He's like, oh, God, who is this fucking post? Oh, my God, that's Johnny X. And so everyone got a big kick out of that. That was fun to dress up as, too. And I remember, like, I was with Kristen. We had just started dating. And she needed to go to Hot Topic to try and find something to wear. And people thought I worked there <laughs> because of how I was dressed. I had the makeup on. I had the faux hawk. You know, I had all the tattoos. And they're like, hi, can you help me find here? I'm like, I don't actually dress like this. I don't work here. <laughs> this is just Halloween. So, yeah, fun times. Uh, good question, Chris. Thank you. What was your favorite Halloween costume? Uh, next one comes from Adam. And let's talk sports. World Series is about to end. And uh, the Astros front office is doing a nice job of quitting themselves as complete and total fuckheads. So, okay. First one. Would you rather your favorite sports team have a bunch of good guys on it, i.e. high class involved in the community, interacts with the fans, and they never win a championship, or a team full of questionable guys, guys like Aroldis Chapman, Antonio Brown, etc., and be guaranteed to win at least one championship, maybe more. Okay. Devil's in the details here. Um, because largely I feel like the Rockies have had a lot of good guys come through their clubhouse. Like, not terrible guys. Jose Reyes accepted, who is a piece of shit, and uh, he can swallow a knife. Uh, and Brett Saberhagen. I also don't like Brett Saberhagen. And uh, I even annoyed Bill Simmons at a book signing of his when I talked about how much his praise for Brett Saberhagen annoyed me while I was on my honeymoon. That's neither here nor there. Um, and I really enjoy rooting for them. But that's part of a larger reason why you like sports. I like going to Coors Field. I love baseball. I love the rhythm of baseball. I love going to spring training when baseball doesn't even matter. So it's a tough question to answer. Because the Rockies have never won shit. I mean, they went to the World Series that one year, which was great. But, uh, you know, got swept out by the hated Boston Red Sox. And I love that team. My favorite team of all time is the 1989 Chicago Cubs. And that was filled with, I would say, mostly good guys. Mark Grace has had like five DUIs now, which is really, really uncool. Um, but I don't think there were any like criminals or wife beaters on that team or anything. Not that I can remember anyway. Um, and, I mean, those are some of my favorite teams. Now, you go to the 2016 Cubs, and you've got the aforementioned Aroldis Chapman. You've got Addison Russell, who I think has some domestic violence against him. I mean, are we talking a team full of those guys where it's nothing? Where it's like, uh, I don't know, I think they were unfairly branded this, but like the Thuggets, you know, with like Allen Iverson and Kenyon Martin and... You know, uh, who else was on the team? J.R. Smith. You know, some of that criticism was unfair. Or like the Jailblazers. But you're talking about 
uh, a team of guys comprised entirely of wife beaters and syphilitic halfwits. Uh, I don't know. Probably the former. I mean, championships aren't everything. Championships are very satisfying. I've seen two Avalanche championships in my life. I've seen three Broncos championships, one Cubs championship. Finally, thank God. And most of sports fandom, unless you're a Patriots fan in the last decade, does not end with your team winning a championship. So, I don't know. I could probably still enjoy sports if I had a team full of just good guys. And, you know, they do have to do reasonably well. I don't want a bunch of choir boys finishing in the cellar every year. That's no fun to watch. Um, so if the team is decent and is competitive and puts together a fun product, yeah, I'll take the team of good guys instead of the team of shitheads. Yeah, all right. Fair question. You asked me another one. Second question. After flying over the Delaware River, I noticed that it wasn't that wide, and I'm now less impressed with Washington crossing it during the Revolutionary War. God. I realize the significance of the crossing to the war uh, as a whole, but the crossing part seems pretty easy comparatively. What's your take? Okay, guy. Strap in, because I was on that plane with you as we crossed the Delaware. The Delaware is fucking wide as shit, dude. Okay, and because we're in a plane going 600 miles an hour, doesn't make that less impressive. Even in your sort of warped pea brain, that is amazing. He did it in the winter. It was covered in ice. And what kind of technology did he have? He wasn't doing it in a fucking Chris Craft guy. He was doing it in probably a rowboat with a bunch of other hungry, tired soldiers fighting for our freedom. And crossing that Delaware could not have been easy. Are you out of your skull? Why would that be easy? What in your diseased fucking brain would think, like, where do you even conjure that? Because we're in a plane? Drinking cocktails? And you go, oh yeah, we got over that uh, that river in like 10 seconds. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <coughs> I can't even talk. You got me so wound up. It was 250 years ago. You know, try doing that in, in 17, what year was that? 1779 technology? You're a madman. And a lunatic, and I think you deserve to be jailed for this question. So, no, it absolutely is as hard as it seems, if not harder, you fucking freak. By the way, I love you, and thanks for writing in. All right, how much time do we have? Okay, I think we have time for one more. Let's let's not end on that note. Um, okay, here's a good one. We'll go back to Taylor. What is the worst fashion trend you participated in? So... I hope this qualifies as fashion because if you watch The Devil Wears Prada, when uh, – what's his name? Stanley Tucci's character is going to go work for James Holt. They're doing a whole worldwide launch of their brand. And yes, I love that movie. And fellas, if you haven't seen The Devil Wears Prada, it's a terrific movie. It's so much fun. It's so funny. It's fantastic. The only down note for me is uh, the guy from Entourage who sucked in that show and sucks in this movie too. But – He's there mostly as a cipher anyway. He's kind of a plot contrivance, and he doesn't really need to add a ton. But his worst line reading is probably, you have one bag, you put your junk in it, you're done. And you go, yeah, eh, he totally, he's nailed handbags, good for him. But anyway, so Stanley Tucci is going to go work for James Holt. And he's like, he's doing the whole thing. Shoes, bags, fragrances. And that's where I'm going to pause. Fragrances. The worst fashion trend I ever participated in was Axe Body Spray. Holy Lord. And I was way into it, too. I used to reek of that shit. 
just because the marketing, as much as I hate to admit this, was so effective. It's like, hey, spray this on. Chicks come running, man, right? They can't get enough of this. It's like Spanish fly. That's essentially what they were selling it as, Spanish fly. Like, you'd spray this on you, and in my case, do that for like 10 more seconds, and that's about how much axe I was wearing. And it's just a panty dropper. And you get a little older and you go, wow, this stuff really smells like shit. It's like the Dracar Noir of the early 2000s where you look back on it and you go, why was everyone wearing this fucking shit? So, no, I totally wore Axe. I even had Axe body wash. Uh, Then I went uh, phthalate. How do you say that? Phthalate free. Uh, Also, no sodium lauryl sulfate, no sodium laureth sulfate. Axe is filled with those. And that cleared up on my acne. So anyway, if you're having skin problems, go SLS free. Like seriously, get that and phthalates out of your beauty regimen and your skin will clear up beautifully. I also started using toothpaste with no SLS in it and I stopped really getting canker sores too. So I think they're really bad for your body. That's a personal choice. If you use those and you're happy, they're cheaper. They're at the grocery store, whatever. Go on, live happy, be prosperous. But yeah, unquestionably, the Axe Body Spray. That was a terrible, terrible fashion trend. All right, I think that's all we have time for on this week's mailbag, so let's play the outro. The John of All Trades Podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Training, content, engagement, podcasting. I produce podcasts for organizations for audiences that they define. That's right. Not everything has to be iTunes Top 100, but podcasting gives you a gives you a unique way of telling your story to people who need to hear it most. One of the best ways to partner to get your story out to the people that need to hear it most is 4 Degrees. That's our sponsor, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E-D-E-S. If you're running a campaign, if you have a product, if you have a good, a service, a candidate, whatever, and you're wanting to communicate online through social media marketing, online advertising, website building, or any of a slate of other activities, 4 Degrees is the firm you need to talk to because they will get your message in front of the people who need to see it most on the platforms they are on. They are brilliant. I adore them. They are my sponsor. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Check out John of All Trades on social media. That's J-O-A-T-Pod across platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Instagram is a place where I post photos of the cat called under the hashtag worst coworker ever. iTunes and Stitcher are two ways of downloading the show. Thank you if you are listening on one of those platforms. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. I should be back here next week with a brand new show. Thank you for everyone who wrote into the mailbag. Thank you for listening. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.